0: hi guys welcome back to hashtag the life of a surveyor first of all i want to apologize that it's taken me so long in getting another episode out it's been a good good few months and um it's it's not intentional i've, I've genuinely been really busy and the reason i've been busy and quite silent on, on 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 the podcast is i've been studying for my apc which is something i've been sort of doing while I started this podcast and it is one of the reasons the podcast sort of was 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 created was to help me revise because I talk about all these property related issues and sort of sound like I'm giving advice and I know what I'm talking about it's because I'm sort of learning as I go along and it helps me to helps me to revise and understand things a bit better if I'm talking to someone about it and in this case talking to god knows where this gets published but there's quite a few countries in the list now. But yeah, it really helps me sort of learn. I'm, I'm more of a, I learn by sort of repeating it and, and and sort of talking about it rather than just reading out of a book and trying to remember the theory. That's not how I learn. So this has been really useful for me starting the podcast because I've been able to talk about different subjects, different matters, and it really makes me think. And I'm, you know, I spend time planning these, believe it or not to what I'm going to talk about and read read up into certain subjects and see what I need to talk about. And I genuinely need to know what I'm talking about before talking to you guys about it. So the podcast has helped in that sense. So, yeah, the first thing I've been studying for the APC. And for those of you who don't know what the APC is, it's the Assessment of Professional Competence. If you go right the way back to my first podcast, you'll be able to hear all about it. So the second reason that I've been a bit distant from the podcast is because I've been really busy with work. Now, obviously with COVID, I've been really lucky that I've still been employed, I've not been furloughed, and if anything, COVID has made me busier than ever. I'm working from home and I'm doing more hours than I usually would if I was sat in an office, because I think the time that it would take me to commute to the office, I'm now utilising to do more work, so I'm a bit more productive. and the workloads increased as well so in my job we've had a few maternity leaves we've had some personnel changes change of areas and stuff so changes of responsibilities so it's it's been there's been quite a lot of changes and it's it's taken its toll so it's kept me busy and you know i've, I've been having to work longer hours i've even been working weekends and working quite late into the evenings as well just to make sure that i'm on top of everything because I'm, I'm one of those people that i don't like leaving things in my to-do list or sort of leave it hanging to tomorrow. I'd like to get it done just so it's it's off my desk. Yeah no work has been really busy as well so I've been um, caught up in all of that. And then the third reason I've been quite distant from this is something that I mentioned in my last podcast which was that I've set up a new charity called Bojandan. Now, Bojandan is a project where I am working with a number of other people, a number of other charities to help eradicate hunger and poverty in India. So trying to get that all set up and and, and get get the rules in motion has been taking up quite a lot of time. Obviously with the current COVID situation in India. It's obviously taken a backseat and, you know, we can't really do much with that. But one thing I am proud to say is with some of the fundraisers and support that we've received for Hojindan, we have been able to provide meals to 16 families and also provide two oxygen concentrator machines. And those were shipped out to India a couple of weeks ago. So thank you to everyone that donated. And anyone that is looking to help us and support the cause, the website I will put into the bio so that you have a link to the website and you can donate through there as well um, if you wish to support the cause or just help spread the word. So yeah, that, that's kind of what I've been up to over the last few months. It's, it's been quite full on. I've been taking on quite a lot. A lot of people have said you're doing a lot. You're doing your day job, you're doing... Your charity work, you're you're your doing your APC, you're studying, you're having a social life, whether a social life is the right word or not. Um, during COVID, I mean, you're not allowed to mix with that many people, but you know, trying to have a social life, it it all takes your toll, and everyone's saying slow down, you're going to burn out. And um, you know what? I'm 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 quite relaxed now. I've, I've 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 sort of I'm on top of everything, so I feel good. But yeah, I mean with that and on that note, I have a bit of a news flash for you all. So, I am now a fully registered RICS approved chartered surveyor. So, please could you now going forwards refer me As HRH Lord Mayor Dasani MRICS member of the Royal Institution of Chartered Surveyors so yes people I have now passed my APC I got my results earlier this week and I am pleased to say after five years in the making (laughs) I know it took forever I did take my time but I am now a fully qualified chartered surveyor and the RICS gave me those results earlier this week and I could not be more chuffed so reason to celebrate but yes I am now a chartered surveyor so again going back to my very first podcast episode what does it mean to be a chartered surveyor you can hear all about it if you go back to the first episode it's all there and as ever if you've got any questions please do feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn, Instagram I'm available to reply to all your questions. So please do reach out. So what did it take for me to get to this level? And what was the preparation like? Because there's going to be a lot of um, APC candidates that are listening to this. And I think it's only fair that I give my story to them to, to sort of motivate them and support them through this as well. And again, if any APC candidates want any support through their journey, please do let me know. Reach out to me. I'm more than happy to help out. So what, what, what did I do in terms of planning? Well, the APC required me under the commercial property graduate route to have two years of work experience working in property. I achieved this through obviously my um, roles working for in-house retailers and I was in the estates management teams for a number of retailers now. So that gave me the work experience, but then I also had to pass some competency tests to show that I am competent in the role that I'm doing and, and there, were, there were certain criterias that I need to achieve. So you've got three levels. You've got level one, which is your knowledge, so you should know what you're talking about for each competency. Level two is the application of that knowledge for each competency. And then level three is providing reasoned advice for each competency. So you need to be achieving level one, two and three for certain competencies. And it all depends on what route you take and what what competencies you choose and to what level, but as a minimum, you should know level one and two of most of the competencies. But again, it depends on what route you choose and what competencies you choose. I, throughout the last few years, have been keeping a log of all the tasks that I have done, all the projects I have worked on. And for me as a commercial property surveyor, this included doing rent reviews, lease renewals, day-to-day property management, state management work. Working on service charges, insurance, all sorts of stuff, and also sort of big projects as well, which were sort of within estate management, but kind of linking into other areas as well, such as um, project management. So I've been keeping a track of all that, making making a log of all of that, and I also had to write up a case study. So this case study would be on a project that I've worked on, and for my submission, I, I submitted a case study based on a lease renewal I did acting as a landlord against another retailer tenant. Now the format of the APC interview is that you need to do a case study and then you have the first 10 minutes where you have to present your case study to the panel so you can you talk about the case study and you don't really want to be repeating what you've already put in your case study because the assessors have already read that. So you want to be trying to put new things in there, or if you've missed stuff out in the case study that isn't so clear because you do have a word count. So you can't always put everything that you want to put in, so you have to be quite clever with this and sort of tweak it so that it it kind of goes in your favor. So you can skip bits out in your case study as long as it makes reasonable sense, but then you can go into it in more detail in your presentation on the actual interview. So that kind of ticks two boxes. It covers everything that you need, and it might even answer some of the questions that you would have gotten asked by the assessors. And they won't ask you again, because in my interview, that's exactly what happened. I'd, I'd missed some stuff out, purposely missed it out, um, because it, it's kind of a trigger for the assessors. And you know that's what they're going to ask you. So if I give you an example, I would have said I inspected the property but I wouldn't say what I did on the inspection because I would talk about that in the presentation say I went to site did risk assessment looked at the property outside looked at the property inside checked this checked that etc cetera, etc cetera. and that satisfied the assessors and and gave them what they wanted so sometimes it's beneficial for you to play it so that you you it's almost leaving a bit of a cliffhanger but then you go on and sort of give the sequel at your interview. That's that's one of my tips. If you can word your case study in a way that you know you'll get questioned on it and then answer it either in the interview because you know you'll get questioned on it or answer it in the presentation at your interview so that it covers everything. So, the case study, wrote all of that and also I enlisted the help of a company called Property Elite. Now there are a few companies that, out there that do similar sort of things. So I went with Property Elite because I've read the the testimonials, I've heard feedback from them, and Jen, who 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 who, who represents Property Elite, reached out to me through the podcast, interestingly, and and basically offered the support. I took Jen up on this offer, and I cannot recommend it enough. So I went with a package deal where Property Elite look at your submission, look at your case study and they provide you with APC questions, a question pack and offer you a mock interview as well. And I cannot tell you how beneficial this works because the question pack that I had been given was the basis of my revision. I'd literally ask friends and family to run through these questions, keep asking me questions, random questions throughout the day. And, and, you know, I'd spend a good hour, two hours, three hours a, a night going through the questions and making sure I know the answers off by heart or I know that this could come up. So that, that was really useful for me to to, to, to benefit from Property Elite and, and, that, and that question pack. And that, that kind of set the basis of my revision for me as well, because quite a lot of those questions did come up in the interview. So I, I knew the answers. So definitely recommend that. And I'll pop a link in the chat again uh, in the chat. Um, I'll pop a link in the bio for Property Elite as well. So if you are doing your APC, whatever route you're doing, they are able to help you out. So feel free to take a look at that. So revision-wise, I I sort of try and cram in as much revision time as I could. And most of my evenings and weekends for the last six or so weeks have been revision, revision, revision. And prior to that, it's all been update my... Submission, update my submission, update my submission. So one thing I would definitely recommend is keeping on top of your submission. So try and take some time out either every day, if you can, but I know in practice it's not always possible, but at least once a week, take an hour or so out of your diary, book it off and literally just spend it updating your diary, your log and your submissions so your summaries of experience you can put in two or three examples for each competency and you know you can you can change them as you're going along so you put one in at the start of the process and a couple of months down the line you've done something else that kind of explains your or shows your competency a bit better and you're able to explain it a bit better put that in the best experience examples are the most recent ones because you'll remember that. Um, I had a couple that were sort of a year prior to my interview, and they called me up on it. They said, "Oh, you attended a CPD session on BRIAM, which is the environmental impact assessment," and I genuinely did not even remember going to that CPD session. Now, hand on heart, I did go to it, so I wasn't lying. So, one of one of the um, one of the key key messages that my uh, APC counselor, Dan Berevitz from AGL, had told me is don't bullshit your way through it. The assessors will know, so don't bullshit. If you don't know something, tell them you don't know something. So There's another top tip for you guys. So yeah, it's, 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 it's crucial that you, you know what you've put in your submission and you're able to recall it and explain it clearly and confidently. So um, make sure your experience and your summaries of experience are relevant and not too historic. So coming back to the preparation again, it's, it's important. I mean, the last week before my interview, I was running through my submission and there were bits in there. I was like, have I really written that? So it's crucial that you know your submission inside out because you will get questioned on any part of it. It can be anything from a summary of experience or something in your CPD. So one of the questions I got asked was on the CPD, which I didn't even think about reading into or looking up. So it's important that you do look into that. And also another thing that is important that people do miss out is reading up on the current affairs with the RICS. Now at the time of my interview, so April, 2021, the RICS were going through a number of independent consultations, independent reviews on a few things. And it's, 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 it's become quite a controversy, quite a controversial topic with the RICS because a lot of members aren't happy. With the way the RICS has been run so th- there's been quite a bit of a, a bit quite a bit of uproar with certain members and th- the way that the RICS are managing the um, institution and more importantly managing the funds and the fees that the members are paying so that was one of the things that I had read up on but I wasn't 100% confident that I could explain what is going on in that but I said that from the start in the interview, so I'm not 100% sure on this, but I have read a bit on it. And um, I said, this is, this is the position. And I I was kind of worrying um, because I'm kind of slating the RICS in my interview in front of APC assessors, who are all chartered surveyors, who are deciding my fate as to whether I become a chartered surveyor or not. So it's, 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 it's one of those things that it was a bit of a controversial thing, but I think I justified my position and my thoughts on it. And you might say that's not very surveying based or surveying led and it's not relevant, but hey, it's the RICS, it's to do with their code of conduct, it's to do with their ethics, it's to do with their ways of operating. So you need to know about the RICS as an institution and as an organisation, as well as knowing all the sort of um, property related stuff as well, so all the core competencies and stuff. So that's one thing to be aware of. And also um, looking at any independent reviews that are going on as well. So there's one to do with valuation to see whether the valuation methods are um, still accurate and relevant for today's time, especially in the middle of a pandemic. So that's currently being reviewed. So I was questioned on that as well. So it's it's important that you look at this as a wider, a wider thing rather than just focusing on the individual competencies, such as your sort of inspection, your measurement, your, your, your evaluation, stuff like that. You do need to look at the RICS in a bit of detail as well. So that's another top tip for you guys. So I've spoken to you about the preparation and stuff and a little bit about the interview itself and what, what kind of went on in my interview. But one of the things that COVID has caused is that the interviews have now shifted from face to face interviews in person to online interviews and the interviews are now held on, well, it used to be on um, Skype, but now they've moved it to Microsoft Teams and you still have either two or three assessors. It's just, you're looking at them on a screen rather than face to face, but everything that you would do in a normal interview circumstance, going into the the, the, the venue, shaking the hand, obviously you can't do that now, but uh, everything that you would do normally, you, you kind of, you're kind of expected to do in the online interviews as well so obviously you can't knock on the door and shake the hand of of the chairman but you are expected to dress smartly so you need to be suited and booted for the interview you can't just you know sit there in your loungewear and be like hey i'm here i'm sat at home but i'm still doing the interview it's not a good look and the way that the apc assessment is sort of explained is think of it as if you're going to meet a client and your client is asking you these questions to check that you know what you're talking about in order to give you a contract, um, in, in order to, to, to um, instruct you on, on something. So, you know, you wouldn't go and meet a, a, a client in, in your PJs. So why would you go and meet the assessors in the PJs? So the process is um, you're asked to join the Teams meeting. 10 minutes before your allocated time slot you sat there in a waiting room almost and if you were doing this sort of face to face it's it's almost like sitting in that holding area where all the other candidates would be as well but here you just sat in a room on your own looking at an empty screen waiting for people to join so you put in like a waiting lobby uh, a virtual lobby and you just sat there waiting and it is quite frustrating because you don't know what you're doing you don't know whether the system's crashed because no one's sort of allowed you into the meeting yet, but it can take a good 10 or so minutes before someone does finally let you into the meeting. And you see the faces of your assessors for the first time. So don't be worried. Don't be alarmed if um, you're sat there twiddling your thumbs for a good, good few minutes. It's It's fairly normal. So once you're into the meeting room, the chairperson will introduce themselves. They'll check that you can see and hear them. And they will introduce each of the assessors as well and make sure that they can hear you and you can hear them. So that's the first thing that they do. If there's any technical difficulties or you can't hear them, they can't hear you. There is an allowance of 10 minutes for technical difficulties. And if you can resolve it within those 10 minutes, you get 10 minutes added onto the end of your interview time so that it's, you still get your full hour. But if it goes beyond 10 minutes where you still can't resolve your technical issues, your interview then gets uh, postponed. Um, so you'd have to reschedule it. So with the introductions out of the way, you would then have a bit of a icebreaker moment with the chairperson and the assessor. So they'll ask you, you know, how has your day been? What, what have you been doing? How's work? Just so, you know, it's a bit of a friendly atmosphere. It, it, it sort of breaks down those barriers and you feel comfortable. It's just to ease you in. You feel a bit more comfortable. Um, so you know it, it sounds sounds like they're just sort of wasting time but no you, you, your time doesn't start until you start your presentation so they'll run you through the format of the interview and then they will ask you whether you are fit and well and happy to proceed with the interview and that is a key thing so if you aren't feeling up to it tell them then Not halfway through so they will then explain that look we're good to go you confirmed you're good to go the next stage is your 10 minute presentation you can share your screen and share a powerpoint presentation or if you just want to talk at them you can just talk at them you need to keep your camera on and oh just before i forget they do make you show a 360 view of your room where you're sat just to make sure you've not got any notes stuck up behind the the laptop screen or a computer screen or your tablet wherever you are so make you go all the way around the room, up and down. So even the ceiling, even the floor, just to make sure you're not cheating. So that's one thing that I did forget to mention. They do do that. So, and they can ask you to do it as many times as they want in between the interview as well. So if they think that you are cheating or you're looking at something, they will know, and they will call you up on it. So you've got 10 minutes to do your presentation. In that time, you don't get disturbed. You don't get stopped unless you're looking like you're going over time so it has to be 10 minutes so you will have practiced your presentation to the t to make sure it's within the 10 minutes if you are getting closer to the sort of nine forty-five mark 9 30 mark the chairperson might say you've got 30 seconds left or you need to bring it to a close and if you go over your 10 minutes they will tell you to stop so it is quite off-putting i've had that happen in the past in a couple of my mocks so don't don't let that happen it, it's not a good look it it kind of shows to the assessor that you can't stick to a brief. So as much as you can, keep it under 10 minutes. You're better to be sort of eight and a half minutes, nine minutes, rather than 10 minutes, 10 seconds, 10 minutes, 30 seconds. So make sure you stick to that 10 minute brief. So after the presentation, they'll be like, listen, you've talked a lot. (laughs) Have a glass of water. So I'll give give you a bit of a break. And then they'll start questioning you on your presentation and on your case study. And then obviously moving on to your core competencies, your mandatories, and then your, 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 chosen competencies all the way through to your level threes. And they'll signpost it as well. So looking at inspection and measurement level one. Now you said you've done this, talk me to talk me through it. What would you advise your client on blah, blah, blah. So the questions are along that sort of style. So, you know, whether you're going for a level one, two or a three. So they do signpost you and that does help because you need to be saying certain words based on the questions that they've said. So if it's a, what is, let's say, what is a contracted out lease? A contracted out lease is a lease that isn't protected within the Landlord and Tenant Act 1954. So there is no rights for automatic renewal at the end of the tenancy. And that's all they want. And once they've heard what they want to hear, they'll say, okay, thank you. Move on to the next one. If you haven't quite got what they want to hear, they will try and push you by asking you something different, or sort of sign po- again, signposting you towards what they want to hear. So don't be surprised if they come back and sort of try and push you for a bit more, because it might just be that you haven't given them the full extent of what they want to hear. So just bear that in mind. So once all your sort of competencies have been uh, questioned on, and one of the frustrating things is that assessors have the best poker faces, so you don't know what they're thinking or whether what you've said is right, whether it's wrong or whether they're happy with it, you just don't know. And it's, it's, it's annoying because, you know, they can at least smile or say, yeah, or no, or, they don't do it. So don't think you're going to know that they're happy with what you said or not happy, it, you just don't know. And that, that's how they've been trained. They, they, you know, they, these are, these are, assessors have had f- rigorous training on how to assess people because it's a difficult job. They are putting their neck on the line saying, yeah, I think this person is worthy and competent enough to become a chartered surveyor and go out and advise people. By by making you a chartered surveyor, they're saying you can go off and start your own practice and advise people. So there is quite a lot hanging in the balance here on their decision. So don't be alarmed if you don't know whether it looks like you've said the right thing or the wrong thing. You just don't know. Now, once they've done the questioning, the final bit is with the chairperson. And the chairperson will ask you about the code of conduct and ethics. And if you screw up on any one of those, you are going to be referred. More than likely, you are going to be referred. So you need to know your ethics and your code of conduct inside out. And that, all of that includes the stuff about the RFCS, all their requirements, a lot of the documentation. So you need to know what the latest guidance notes are, what the practice statements are, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So once the chairman is happy with, well, once the chairman has finished their line of questioning, (laughs) because you don't know whether they're going to be happy or not. So once they finish their line of questioning, they will say that concludes our interview for today. And then they'll explain that you'll get the results in five days and they'll tell you to leave the call. So say thank you say bye exit the call turn your camera off mic off and that's it they will kick you out of the meeting so they will they will literally you won't be able to get back onto that meeting or see what they're talking about because they will kick you out you will have no access to that meeting invite once you've been kicked out and then it's the anxious wait so one of the things i did after my interview was go straight back into work and the reason i did that was because if I took the time off, I would be thinking and my mind would be wondering and thinking about what I should have said, what I would have said. This is what happened. This is what happened. Or I said this wrong. And it would just cause me grief for no reason. I mean, it's done. The interview's done i can't change what i've said but it's my career in the balance it's my qualification in the balance so obviously i'm going to do it it's only natural for me to think all of that but i i decided to go straight back into work straight back into meetings and everyone was asking how it went and stuff and i I went back through it and you know i've had a few calls from um, my assessor uh, my assessor my um my counsellors and stuff like that and my managers saying how did it go and i'm genuinely didn't know how it went and it was a weird feeling because I had a few controversial questions which I think I did cover quite well and obviously now I know I did because I'm a child surveyor now so clearly they liked what they heard but at the time I was thinking right have I just dobbed myself in it and said what I honestly think which is not what I should be doing because you know I'm one of those people that literally doesn't think about what they say I just say it, and I'm sure listeners of this podcast have picked up on that a few times. Because I just literally just stand here, sit here, talking rubbish, and people are listening to it. So, yeah, you just—I just didn't know. And and it takes five days to get the results, and those five days are quite antagonising. Luckily, my interview was on a Tuesday, so I had a week of work to sort of take my mind off it. And then, sort of the weekend, I'd met up with a few friends and gone off on a little a little session where we were just getting apoplectically drunk so it was it was a good good um, distraction so yeah the weight is antagonizing but I think my suggestion and recommendation would be just keep yourself busy don't think about the interview don't think about the result keep yourself busy keep yourself occupied take your mind off it and just relax you've done your best you've you've given the interview to the best of your ability you've said what you've said you've done what you've done And now it's when you get your result, you get your result. So don't think too much about it after the interview. Just zone out, chill out, relax, and wait for the results. So the results are usually published on ARC, which is the assessment resource center on the RICS website. So they first get published on that and then they send out the emails. I, on the day that I thought I would get my results, I woke up had a coffee and I looked on ARC on a whim. I didn't even think about looking on ARC before I actually did, because usually I just wait for the email to come in and that's the anxious wait period, refreshing your inbox and making sure that your emails are working, your internet's working and etc. etc. But um But on this occasion, I went on to ARC and this is about 9.30 in the morning. I'd had half a cup of coffee, I'd still had half to, half to drink and I looked on ARC and I kind of looked at it on the Friday, so might maybe was on Tuesday, the Friday before the weekend. I looked on Arc, and it looked looked the same um, as you, as it did when I did my submission when I submitted it. Um, so I thought nothing, nothing's updated. I haven't got my results yet. On the Monday morning, uh, sorry, Tuesday morning, because there was a bank holiday on the Monday. On the Tuesday morning, nine thirty, I went on to Arc on a win, and there it was, black and white. Congratulations, you've been successful in your assessment. You are now a member of the RICS, and I thought this can't be right. So I closed the page down, reopened it, reopened Arc, and it was the same message there. So I was like, okay, that sounds like I've done it, but I still wasn't convinced. I still thought, and I don't know why, I still thought that this was a joke. So I went on to the rics.org main website and tried logging onto my profile and that's when it clocked. It said Mr. Maya Dasani, M-R-I-C-S as the profile name. I thought, yes, this is accurate and the R-I-C-S cannot back down now. Now, don't forget, I hadn't got the email to say that I've been successful. So again, I was still in two minds as to whether this is still true or not. So it, it was all very much sort of celebratory, but also a bit of Nervousness at the same time, which is quite strange because that's not what I wanted to, what I wanted to experience. But nonetheless, I took that as a given that I had been successful. After all this time, I've done it. I am now a chart surveyor. So the first thing I did was call up my mum, and she just got up. She was doing her morning prayers, and she just finished her morning prayers rather. And um, it's very rare that I call on the morning, so she was a bit surprised, taken aback that I'd called. And I just said to her straight up without, hi, hello, nothing, said, I've got some good news, great way to start your morning. I passed my APC. I've done it, mum, I've done it. And she just burst into tears, tears of joy. And seeing her face on FaceTime, just, it it, it was a great feeling. And and, and her words were, oh, thank you, God. And I said, yeah, I've not even thanked God yet. First person I'm calling is you, mum. Because I knew you'd be the happiest, um, and she—I know she's been waiting for that day, that I become a child surveyor for years now, and um, it, it was just an immense feeling um, of, of proudness um, for both me and my mum when I, when I gave her the news. So it was great. It was great. She ran downstairs, went to my dad doing his walk in in the garden, and um, she she basically put the, put the put her phone to, to, towards him and said, "Listen, listen to what he's got to say." They live sort of near Heathrow and there's quite a lot of um, air traffic noise and stuff. So it was quite difficult to hear on the speaker what I was telling my dad. I said, Dad, I passed my APC. I'm a chartered surveyor now. Dad, I've done it. I passed. What? Hello? What? That typical sort of dad dad thing. Yeah, he's like, can't hear you. Oh, God. I'm trying to tell you something here and you can't hear me. But no, eventually it did get through and he did hear and he was ecstatic. He was so happy it was just great it was just great and then I kind of had to get on with my day's work but um, I said I'll call him back later um, and then I started calling my counsellor Dan Berevitz, who I can't thank enough for all his support called my manager who was in a meeting so I had to message him on Microsoft Teams and say I'm a charter surveyor now and then sort of you know cascading it through family and friends saying I've done it I've done it all these years I've been talking about it I've now done it I've now become a charter surveyor. Um, and just the calls start flooding in saying congratulations, so happy. And it is quite overwhelming to see how many people are actually genuinely happy for you. And, and you know, it, it might not be a big thing for some people, but for me, it's it's even more reason to be proud because my parents haven't been educated. They come from villages. They've not gone to uni. They've not done college they've always done laborious jobs and for someone to sort of go to uni and sort of make it into uni without sort of having any tuitions having any support my parents haven't been able to teach me anything uh, curriculum related so i've I've literally sort of struggled through to get to this position on my own um, i've not had any support from sort of family friends have been sort of there to support me morally but you know curriculum wise there's there's not much they can teach me so it was it was even more special for me because I've managed to do this and get to this stage on my own so so it was it was an even more joyous occasion for me to say look I've done it I've not needed the support of anyone and I've actually done it and I think that's one of the things that I would definitely sort of try and promote is that you know if you've got a vision stick to it and one way or another you'll have to struggle through it but you'll get there in the end your hard work will pay off you know, you might not get it first time around, you might not get it second time around, but you keep trying, you will get there eventually. So, you know, just keep trying. If you want to do something, you you are motivated, you've got you've got the enthusiasm to do it, crack on, keep going at it, don't give up. That's the main thing. Don't give up. So there we have it, folks. That's another episode, episode 10, a momentous episode. celebratory episode but as ever i want to thank you all for listening and you know thank you for the support and i'm going to try and do a lot more episodes now that i've got a bit more time on my hands but as ever please continue to like share listen promote you know if you've got any questions you want to be on the podcast we can arrange for that to happen as well so yeah just drop me a note hashtag the life of a surveyor the same handle on Instagram you can search me up on LinkedIn as well if you've got any queries or questions I'm on LinkedIn available for any questions as well so reach out to me I'm more than happy to help out in any way I can so um, thanks for listening and we'll catch up soon cheers bye